0: Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts, Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. <music> Latvian Museum, and welcome to episode number 203 of the Latvia Weekly podcast. I am Joe Horgan, who probably for the last week of the summer will be recording from here in Portland, Maine, in the United States. But Mr. Otto Tabuns is... Back in Riga, Latvia, Otto, I've heard that today was pretty hot over there. Is, is that the case? Was it up to thirty-three degrees? Uh,
1: indeed, uh, in Riga, it feels like I was in uh, Arizona or somewhere in the Middle East because it is quite hot. Uh, it is also relatively dry. Uh, so indeed, uh, it is uh, uh, the, the the centigrade is quite high. I believe it is the hottest. August the 16th of the century, or the the hottest day of this year since records began, Uh, and probably one of the last times this summer when the situation is really something like this.
0: Well, given the political situation right now, uh, I think that might be uh, causing causing some of the heat, heating things up. So we, we've got quite a an episode for you guys today. We've got a lot to talk about. What we do every single episode, for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, so usually we talk through the biggest domestic stories in Latvia that are worth discussing, worth kind of uh, maybe giving a little bit of extra context to, maybe some stories that you might have heard about in the news and might want some extra context about. Then we go through some international stories that are important to Latvia. We look at the Latvian Week in history. but. Before we do, we start out with a Latvian word of the week that has something to do with one of the major stories of the week. And I honestly cannot remember if we've done this word before, but even if we have, it is so relevant that I couldn't think of anything else, Otto. That is the word Otcoptius, which I think is a very interesting word uh, considering how it's built. So could you take us through otkoptius uh, and what that means?
1: Exactly. So the word consists of... A two parts, and one is the basis of the word, which is kapt, which uh, can be translated as to climb or uh, to rise. Uh, So you could uh, describe that um, uh, using uh, um, physical activities, such as uh, climbing a mountain, kapt kalnos, although there are not many places in Latvia that you could apply this phrase to, or uh, you can also use it uh, more appropriately uh, to refer to the weather and specifically how uh, the temperature is uh, climbing. Uh, but uh, if we have the prefix of um, at or at, uh, that would uh, mean uh, a reverse uh, of uh, the following uh, basis of a word. And at um, kaptius would mean, uh, let's say, in a military context, it would be. Uh, to uh, step back with your forces um, or to retreat Um, or if we would talk about a political context then it would be uh, to resign or to sign off or to um, refuse to uh, keep up with the political position that one has. Uh, For example, as uh, is very appropriate for uh, the top headline of this week.
0: That is absolutely correct, Otto, because those of you who follow Latvian news have probably seen it blow up on your social media, your timeline, that the prime minister of Latvia, Mr. Christianis Karins, who has been prime minister for coming up on five years, it's uh, four years and change, or um, actually it's uh, I think four years and nine months altogether at this point, Uh, He has announced that he will not be continuing as the prime minister. So uh, if you're reading Latvian language news, for those of you who are learning the Latvian language, you've probably seen this, Atkapjas or Atkapjas no Amata, really... Interesting situation, because just as a quick recap, for those of you who haven't been following this whole situation. So this current government is almost a year old at this point. It was formed after the 2022 parliamentary elections that happened in October. And the result of that election was a kind of uneasy coalition between uh, Mr. Carnage's party, Yauna Villanotiba, or New Unity, as it's known in English, uh, which is kind of seen as a centrist, or some people say center left, some people say center right. You know, you you can you can kind of uh, read into it as you want, but they're seen as pretty much a, a centrist uh, party. And then uh, the two partners were Nazionale Opovineba or the National Alliance, which has been a part of government for uh, quite some time now already. The, the took part in the last few coalitions, and then also Opovinotais uh, Saraks, which or the United List, which is a grouping of the Latvian Green Party, which uh, recently divorced from the uh, Latvian Farmers Union, and then also the Latvian Regional Alliance, which uh, has kind of had uh, varying levels of success in the national and regional levels. So the alliance between New Unity and the National Alliance and the United List has always been an uneasy one, uh, and it has been challenging to be able to implement some of the reforms that uh, Mr. Carnage's party really wanted to uh, get done and which uh, some of the other parties were a little bit less uh, uh, excited about, um, you know, going through with with some of the some of the policy proposals. So back just before the election uh, of president for Mr. Um, uh, Edgar Zrinkevich, who uh, became president uh, in July, he was elected in um, uh, the I think it was the the very end of May, wasn't it, Otto? That's right. I believe the last day of the month. Yes, exactly. So uh, so there was some talk at the time. There was this rumor going around that uh, what was going to happen was that the um, uh, Mr. Rinkiewicz's candidacy would be um, uh, supported by two opposition parties, the uh, Progressive or the Progressives and um, ZZS, the Union of Greens and Farmers, or Zolim Zemnyakosavinibha. And uh, what was talked about at the time, this was kind of a rumor that was uh, talked about quite a bit in Latvian media, that nobody really had a firm idea of how legitimate it was, was that there would be a new coalition between those three parties and that Mr. Karinch would step down and that uh, the current finance minister, um, Arvils Astrodons, would take over as prime minister. And since then, there was a long, drawn-out process of Mr. Karinch trying to uh, expand the coalition. Uh, He wanted to invite in the progressives and the Union of Greens and Farmers into the existing coalition, uh, which obviously the uh, uh, United List and the National Alliance were not very excited about uh, sharing power and having to reshuffle the cabinet. And the justification of that at the time was that. It would make it easier to um, implement some of these reforms, which were more controversial uh, for some of the parties. And a lot of people saw this as basically, you know, political theater with the realistic outcome being that three party coalition uh, that was discussed that supported Mr. Inkevich's um Uh, candidacy. So uh, at the end of last week, basically, uh, Mr. Karinch was saying that he was planning on forming a new government with himself at the head. And uh, obviously there was no exact word on which parties would be involved with that. But just Monday, uh, he announced um, that he would no longer be uh, in the uh, premiership and that uh, somebody else would be leading the next government. So Otto, it is very difficult to, I don't know, make heads or tails of the situation. I really want to see what you think because I've kind of heard two, I don't know, leading theories. One is that most likely uh, this um, uh, new coalition uh, will will not actually materialize. I've, I've heard a lot of people um, theorize that maybe the current coalition uh, will continue and that somebody else will uh, be at the head of it or that um, – this uh new proposed idea of the um union of greens and farmers the progressives and new unity will indeed go forward and that maybe mr currensha's uh resignation is is part of that uh, especially because mr currensha had such a very firm position a year ago uh, when the uh, when this existing coalition was negotiated about not wanting to work with ivers lembergs who was one of the leading members of the union of greens and farmers so what do you make of this whole situation, Otto, um, given that you are uh, somebody who understands Lot Mean politics much, much better than I do, and uh, probably uh, most people I know?
1: It is certainly one of the most interesting situations. If we look at the protagonist here, then that is certainly uh, the play of uh, cards, so to say, of New Unity, uh, which is the strongest player in this situation. And uh, on the one hand... Uh, it was already present in the what we could call now previous coalition, Uh, but there were um, a number of issues uh, that uh, the new unity, um, including the prime minister, Mr. Karinj found, uh, are not going uh, ahead uh, in a way that uh, new unity saw um, fit. Uh, So uh, this is on the one hand, this utilization of the parliamentary mathematics uh, where new unity has um, the strongest presence and at the same time uh, you would have a number of uh, the uh, red lines uh, that uh, we could imagine uh, that would uh, make it highly likely that in one or another situation uh, it would not really be possible to make a stable coalition without uh, the new unity and we saw that in this uh, consulting process that uh, went on uh, where um, new unity actually entertained the idea of keeping um, it together with the national alliance and the united list provided that they would change uh, these uh, spheres of responsibility that they would change uh, ministers uh, um, and uh, ministries uh, that they are responsible for uh, there has been speculation uh, whether it was really a move for a, a better political uh, dynamism which is probably the um, key word over the last four weeks or it was rather um, an expected situation where the new unity uh, understood that this offer would not be accepted uh, at the same time a national alliance uh, or the united list uh, were not so keen to um, go to the opposition right away uh, specifically for trying to avoid the blame of uh, ruining the coalition and being the key responsible for um, their breakup so it was sort of a a tango of trying to find the best way how to go ahead uh, and even if it doesn't uh, find a situation in which the other sides would be uh, more culpable uh, than the ones that specific politicians Represent. Um, we can also see that uh, this is, uh, on the other hand, the opportunity for uh, Greens uh, and uh, farmers, or specifically the party uh, union, uh, the Union of Greens and Farmers, uh, which is, as we now know, uh, different from the Green Party, which is part of the United List, uh, to uh, get back uh, into political limelight and specifically in the coalition. Um, it was uh, initially deemed to be uh, not uh, very uh, likely, even though they uh, agreed on the election of Mr. Vinkiewicz as the president. Uh, There were doubts whether the progressives and um, uh, the new unity uh, would work together with the Union of Greens and Farmers uh, because of the Lambergs question. Uh, But uh, I would not underestimate the ability of uh, the Union and Greens of Farmers as the second oldest party we have, uh, to uh, play it uh, rather well for the both sides to find a working relationship with Mr. Lambbergs at the same time uh, not to uh, posterize it uh, very much uh, so that they would be able uh, to actually be in power and have their say, especially if we talk about economic questions that are important for their electorate. Uh, it is also an interesting situation with the United List, um, which has perhaps a better, chance than the national alliance to not stay in the opposition after all um, because perhaps uh, the differences that the united list would have let's say with the union and greens and farmers uh, would be less of a problem than for example the um, ideological differences between the national alliance and the progressives so there is a a likelihood uh, that um, new coalition uh, could uh, involve new unity. Uh, would retain the united list and uh, would join uh, the union of greens and farmers as well as uh, progressives uh, agreeing on what they are able to agree and putting uh, aside um, those matters that they disagree with similarly as it was achieved uh, when uh, current government was formed uh, so that they could all tell uh, that they uh, decided um, in favor of uh, national stability and development and uh, it is uh, more important for them to uh, be there where decisions are made rather than to sit on the other side of the fence. And perhaps uh, a different position would be uh, more easily explainable by the National Alliance uh, to their voters, um, as uh, this uh, party union uh, has uh, other tricks under their sleeves and would have a different extensive experience in uh, still um, finding their way to uh, decision-making, even though they would have these cycles of being with the government and being beyond it.
0: Yeah, you know, I agree with you about the United List because, you you know, they... um I don't know. It seems like in the last few elections, uh, you know, there's always in in the polling before the election, there's always a significant amount of people. It's usually like a quarter of voters who uh, choose, uh, you know, I still don't know, or like Velenzenu. And then a lot of times there'll be one party that kind of gets a last-minute big boost from a lot of those voters. Uh, I, I would say like the previous election, it was uh, the Conservative Party, and I, and I think the United List kind of, um, you know, I I, I mean th- that's just my complete layman's uh, idea. I don't know if anyone else would agree with me, but but I it seems at least to me that they kind of got a last minute boost from a lot of these people who weren't really didn't really have a strong idea of who they wanted to vote for and kind of wanted to go with something a little bit, I don't know, quote unquote, newer, uh, you know, at, at least a new mixture of, uh, of old ingredients, you, you could say, but uh, they're. Uh, numbers have been decreasing since the election, uh, whereas uh, New Unity uh, has stayed uh, the the leader, and then the progressives and the Union of Greens and Farmers have also uh, been doing a little bit better. So, you know, definitely, I think that United List has a lot more to lose if they get out of the coalition, like you said, uh, you know, it's pretty easy for people to kind of uh, forget about, you know, the people who are out of the decision making, whereas the National Alliance, they have a much sturdier base of support and, you know, people who are much more, I would say, lo- loyal voters and, and will vote in pretty much uh, any election for them. At least that, that's how it seems to me. W- would you agree with that? Uh, I think so um, because for uh, some of the
1: major and more established players than the new unity, uh the uh, greens and farmers and the national alliance uh they perhaps would be less wary of uh you know falling out of the electoral cycle or falling out of the parliament so that is indeed uh, a, a bigger risk uh for the, uh, the newer uh players which is why uh the progressives would like to uh, get in the uh, government and uh, the united list uh, would like not to fall out of it
0: now, there's two kind of major questions because we're—I mean—we're going to have a lot to talk about next week as well because this is a very dynamic situation. One is that when this rumor first came out about that meeting between New Unity and. Um, the, uh, the progressives and the Union of Greens and Farmers. One thing that was mentioned at the time, uh, in addition to Mr. Karinch stepping back as prime minister, is that he would become the foreign minister. And that has kind of effectively happened because when Mr. Rinkevich took over as the president, uh, Mr. Karinch in his position as prime minister, began substituting as the foreign minister, which has happened uh, from time to time with different ministerial positions for various amounts of time. So, uh, Otto, actually, one thing I haven't really heard that much, because I haven't been able to follow the uh, different talk shows and discussion shows as, as closely because I just haven't been in the country, but is there um, talk that Mr. Karinch would be likely to potentially retain this position, which he's already de facto filling as the foreign minister in a new Coalition or a new government.
1: I do not think that that uh, will happen. I have not heard any rumors that uh, he would. I think that the fact that he became the acting foreign minister was uh, part of the new unity strategy uh, to keep uh, that office rather open um, by using it to the initial deal of offering it to the National Alliance because. Uh, if they would have put uh, another uh, person from uh, their midst in that position and then after a a week or two offered that uh, to um, another party, it would not do a lot of good for um, that person who would take that interim position. So perhaps it was just a strategic move how Mm -hmm. to uh, keep that position for uh, negotiations and also not to uh, perhaps um expand uh, some of their party uh, colleagues political capital.
0: Okay, yeah, actually that's a really good point. I didn't actually really think about that. So, uh well, one thing that has not gone according to this um, you know, r- rumor that was uh you know at the time of uh, Mr. Incavich's um, uh, election was that uh, New Unity has not offered Arvil's Astrodons as a potential prime minister candidate, they have now announced that they would like to see Evika Silinja, who is the minister of welfare and uh, who was elected in the uh, in this um, uh, to, to, to the 14th Sima as a deputy originally, uh, as the uh, their choice for prime minister. So Otto, I'm very curious to see what you think. How likely do you think it is that she would be chosen or she would be nominated by uh, Edgars Rinkevics? Do you think that? Because one thing that I've heard is that uh, from different analysts is that Mr. Rinkevics is under uh, pressure to um, differ or to um, not uh, differentiate himself, but um, to uh, Show that he is uh, impartial and not biased, and that uh, maybe, uh, you know, if he nominates um, somebody else from. Yanovino Tiba New Unity, the party that he was a member of up until he took over as president, because president cannot be a member of a, of a political party or should not be a member of a political party. Um, that uh, that might show some kind of favoritism, but then again, uh, New Unity or yaunovino Tiba is the largest party in parliament. So what what do you think? What you know, if, if you can read the tea leaves of the situation, um, you know, do you do you think that it is likely that uh, she will eventually be nominated by Mr. Incicovich to form a government?
1: It is interesting that uh, on the one hand, uh, the reasons for the situation that uh, we are in politically are strongly connected to the fact and the way how Mr. Rinkevich was elected uh, president of the country. On the other hand, I think that uh, Mr. Rinkevich as the president uh, would currently have the least pressure out of all of the political stakeholders because there isn't really Uh, way uh, for either the new unity or the coalition or the parliament to uh, influence him um, uh, other than uh, you know uh, voting him out uh, which would be uh, unlikely because it would be then uh, very uh, strange for uh, new unity to have gone through all that and then uh, to uh, uh, go for the motion to recall him and also for the fact uh, that uh, he is uh, or at, at the moment of the election he was the most popular politician of the most popular party meaning that he enjoys um a popular uh, support uh, which uh, as far as i'm aware has not decreased uh, since he has uh, been elected uh, the president uh, i would uh, expect uh, that he would uh, call um anyone that the new Unity would uh, nominate as uh, the Prime Minister, and in this case Ms. Ebi Kassilinia, mostly because uh, of the uh, highest likelihood of um, that that person and that representative uh, being able to uh, put together a government owing to uh, the parliamentary uh, mathematics. Uh, it is certainly not excluded that if it is not possible to create a coalition there would be other candidates, but at this moment it seems quite uh, unlikely. Uh, so unless um, we would have uh, some surprises, I would expect uh, um, President Finkevich to um, uh, nominate uh, uh, Ms. Sevi um, uh, as uh, the Prime Minister and for her to try to put together uh, a coalition.
0: You know, the uh, last thing I want to mention, because we, we will talk a lot about this next week, because a lot's going to happen between now and next week, because this is, you know, we've been saying all summer that, you know, second ha- half of August is when things are going to really heat up with the coalition formation process. And here we are, 16th of August, you know, it's it's finally happening. Um, so we, we have another major coalition process happening in Riga, which we'll talk about in just a second. But the last thing I just wanted to say about this is that I feel like I'm having a little bit of an existential crisis, Otto, because the entire time that we've been recording Latvia Weekly, which is coming up on five years now, we have been chronicling either the lead up to kristianis karnas becoming prime minister or kristianis Karnish's prime ministership so I, I feel like i'm having a little bit of an existential crisis that uh you know now we're going to be talking about somebody else all the time but uh, i don't know how how do you feel are you excited
1: uh well certainly and i think probably uh, mr karnas may also be relieved that uh, we are not uh, discussing him weekly but uh, rather also spending our attention on something else uh, uh, whether he's a fan of ours or not, I'm not aware of that. But that certainly could be one of the positive news for him this week.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we will keep an eye on that situation. But Otto, let's talk about a situation that is as close to home uh, for you as the... Um, as the uh, national coalition building process, because we've been also discussing Riga City Council for the last few weeks, and things are really, uh, you know, the the um, feet are really being held to the fire right now because uh, time is ticking out for. That situation to be resolved. And from what I understand, so right now, as I mentioned, it is Wednesday, the 16th of August. Uh, By the time a lot of you are listening to the show, there are going to be some uh, obviously very major developments. But from what I understand, Otto, on Thursday or tomorrow, my time, uh, there is going to be a vote on potentially a new leader of city council. And what I've heard is that it is most likely, the most likely situation would be that the um, the acting mayor of Riga, who uh, has been or was the uh, one of the three vice mayors under the um, uh, Martin Stotjes administration, Vilnius Chiersis would potentially be elected, or that's seen as one of the most likely scenarios. But Otto, you are somebody, once again, who is much more plugged into both national and local Riga politics as somebody who lives in Riga. What do you see as the most likely scenario playing out tomorrow and in the near term?
1: I think that it is highly likely that uh, Mr. Kirsis from New Unity uh, will become elected the new mayor, and they will be able to work together with uh, a new coalition uh, that uh, would not involve uh, the progressives uh, but would involve uh, the two members from the former Part progressives faction. Um, It is of course a question for uh, how long uh, that will uh, go together but perhaps for at least a year uh, it would be possible for that uh, constellation uh, to survive. Uh, Of course then there is a question Uh, what will be the positions of some of the deputies when the next uh, municipal election comes in 2025, uh, whether they will stay together with a new unity and will try to uh, run uh, under the same flag or perhaps uh, in a timely fashion before the election uh, would uh, make an end uh, and do away uh, with that coalition and then uh, try to become a vocal opposition uh, in their attempts uh, to uh, try to uh, have a more prominent uh, position uh, and uh, have their ambitions for the mayorship um, uh, on the table uh, instead of uh, relegating themselves to the supporting players as would be now.
0: One thing I did want to kind of connect this to the national coalition building process is about the role of the Progressive Party, which I find very interesting because... One thing that was talked about, I think even you discussed this, uh, you know, previously. Otto was, um, you know, whether or not the national coalition would end up looking fairly similar to the Riga City Council coalition. But it seems quite likely that the Progressive Party will be involved in a national coalition going forward, where it is looking very unlikely at this point that the progressives will be involved with Riga City Council and what seems most interesting to me is at least from what I've heard and maybe maybe I'm wrong about this and maybe if um, you know you might correct me but it seems like that on the city level the progressives and New Unity have had a hard time seeing eye to eye whereas on the national level it seems that New Unity is quite um, excited about the idea of working with the progressives so uh, you know maybe can you comment on that situation?
1: Uh, That's right, because uh, the role of progressives was highly important in getting Mr. Linkevich elected as the president and could also be instrumental in uh, New Unity's uh, power play uh, against uh, the United List, the National Alliance and uh, the Union of uh, Greens and Farmers in putting together the new coalition. Uh, There seems to be less of uh, such a, a utilitarian. A role in the uh, city council. And I would also expect that there would be the ambition of Mr. Tirsis to become uh, the new mayor um, um, and um, his um, uh, support uh, that he has received uh, from uh, his party uh, to uh, try to achieve this ambition now that Mr. Stakis is no longer uh, the mayor. And uh, also, who would look at the uh, mathematical possibilities then. Uh, If it's not uh, a block led by the progressives, then the new unity would be one of the few other options uh, for uh, putting together um, the coalition uh, at the municipal level. And that is uh, something that the other players have uh, accepted in their uh, wish to retain power and perhaps look less at some of the other issues that the progressives wanted to keep up um, uh, as they had. Uh, with uh, varying success uh, at the time when and their representative was uh, the head of the council.
0: Well, as much as I could probably spend another hour talking about both of these coalition processes, we'll have a lot more to talk about next week. And I know that uh, not everybody who listens to the show uh, is as into uh, the weirdness of local and national Latvian politics as the two of us are. So, Otto, I think it is time to turn our attention to probably my second favorite topic to talk about. And yes, we are bringing back the working on the railroad segment because we have a few uh, interesting and important stories to talk about involving rail transit. First of all, we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks the possibility of transporting ukrainian grain to latvia and also the other baltic states and exporting them through particularly in latvia's case it would be the ports of Ventspils and riga which are the two largest ports in latvia and we uh, discussed i think in pretty good detail uh, either last week or the week before the challenges of doing that due to the change in gauge which creates a bottleneck uh, between uh, Poland and um, and um, and Ukraine in in particular, but also uh, potentially between uh, Poland and Lithuania as well, due to the uh, different gauge or the uh, amount of distance between the two um, uh, rails on, on the track. But uh, yesterday, the uh, head of um, Latvian. Um, Railways, or the chairman of the board, Rinald Plavniks, uh, said that he believed that the um, Latvian railways could be uh, ready to help with the shipment of grain already in autumn. So, um, I don't know, Otto, do you think you are as um, optimistic as uh, Mr. Plavniks would be about this?
1: I think that certainly there would be a theoretical opportunity to do so, But a lot of it will depend from uh, external factors. And that would be the way how the war develops and how the situation changes, the way how Russia uh, attacks not only the grain fields and the uh, infrastructure uh, within uh, Ukraine, um, as well as the infrastructure on the Ukrainian border. That would be important in delivering uh, these grains uh, to uh, other parts of the world. Uh, So there are a lot of ifs and a lot of variables. Uh, There is um, an opportunity there, but uh, it would be difficult for me to say um, that that would be uh, very uh, realistic at this point. But certainly uh, we can try to help in this situation, understanding how important it is for global food uh, security. Uh, So at least uh, Latvia can uh, do that, but of course, There are so many things that are not within our control and uh, those are the risks for uh, this potential solution.
0: Yeah, and apparently Mr. Plavniuk, when he was interviewed by Latvian Radio, he did point out a lot of these issues and he said at the beginning of the summer he thought it was uh, impossible that uh, this would uh, be able to take place, but but he is more optimistic now after uh, discussing this with uh, officials in other countries. So we will have to see uh, what comes out of this, but... Otto, for us here in Latvia, we have been waiting, I don't know, I mean, you've probably been waiting your entire life, uh, you know, uh, for uh, some of the promised uh, new electric trains, which have been talked about for years and years and years and years. And there have been a number of delays for all kinds of logistical reasons, financial reasons. Well, new electric trains we already have uh, talked about, you know, were delivered to latvia and are undergoing testing but once again there are going to be some delays so the earliest that the new rolling stock of electric trains are going to be on the rails is going to be november that has been pushed back from originally we heard uh, january of this year then it was going to be at the end of the summer and now the word on the street is uh, november would be the earliest and uh, at the same time one of the uh, major uh, challenges of getting these electric trains is also modernizing the, a lot of the rail stations throughout the country. There are more than 40 station platforms uh, throughout Latvia that are in the process of being rebuilt, and um, they are expected to be done by the end of 2023. But right now, apparently, um, none of them have quite been finished yet. So, Otto, as, uh, you know, somebody who uh you know, has um, seen a lot of changes to rail transport throughout your life and uh, is also probably used to hearing these kinds of delays. Uh, can you maybe comment on this overall situation? Do you think that this is to be expected, or you know, do you think that there could be uh, further delays as well on the horizon?
1: There perhaps uh, may be um, a difference of uh, which party will be in charge of the Ministry of Transport um, when the new coalition uh, gets together. Uh, But, of course, if they would want to impress us, and here I talk about the uh, people of Latvia, then uh, they would uh, be smart to get it all ready by the national holidays on the 18th of November. Uh, But there is, of course, a high likelihood that that will not be the case. Uh, So uh, that could then already be the imaginable first headache for whomever uh, will become the new Minister of Transport.
0: Well, we will have to keep an eye on the situation. Uh, both Otto and I are big fans of rail transport, as uh, those of you who've listened to the show before know. And uh, new trains are not, I'm still always very impressed by Latvia's rail infrastructure and how uh, trains are almost always on time. I can only think of a few times in my entire life taking the trains in Latvia that there's been any kind of delay whatsoever, um, you know, when it comes to the trains that are already on the track. When it comes to getting newer trains, that's that's a little bit more difficult. But, um, you know, had, hats off to Latvia's uh, rail service. So, well, Otto, let's uh, follow up on a story that we talked a lot about last week, and that was the very um, damaging storm that took place uh, throughout especially the uh, regions of uh, around Doable and also near uh, Daugopils. But uh, there was was a major storm all throughout the country. And there was a lot of damage that was done to buildings. Um, There there were uh, injuries. Uh, There was, I believe, uh, one fatality at least, and uh, also to a lot of the nature and also to the agricultural sector. But, uh, you know, obviously there's been a lot of talk about how to go forward. And uh, one thing that was uh, talked about at the end of or the middle of last week, I should say, is that municipal governments are going to be able to pay out uh, primary aid. Uh, that's going to be up to 3000 euros for replacing roofs or windows uh, of different uh, uh, houses and um, it, uh, for, for people uh, whose uh, buildings were damaged by the storm Obviously, there's probably going to have to be some other aid as well, uh, but that was the agreed-upon mechanism that the local governments um, uh, came together with the Minister of Finance Arvils Ashradans uh, to to pay out to uh, people who were affected by that. So, uh, how how do you you know see that auto? Do you think that's going to be an effective way to go about uh, helping people who have been affected by this? And do you think that we're going to be hearing about more? Uh, measures, you know, as, um, as as the rebuilding continues? Uh,
1: I think it is a good start, and I think also uh, quite an uh, equitable solution, uh, understanding of how many households uh, and businesses have been affected, uh, and I think it will uh, be important not only the, the money, but also the, the further communication and activity of the municipalities uh, in uh, continuing Uh, to support and advise uh, the people who have suffered from uh, this, and I think that would be a way how to deal with the situation. I'm very glad that uh, the municipalities and the government uh, were able to react to this uh, quite fastly, understanding that uh, this is a situation of where uh, it is uh, not only our will to help, uh, but also um, the uh, correct uh, legal framework so that public funds would be used uh, accordingly, and I'm very glad that they found a quick way how to uh, respond to this extraordinary situation. The money may not be much, but certainly I think it will be important. uh, Every cent of that will be important for people who have suffered.
0: Certainly. Well, uh, Otto, let's take a look at two stories that have to do with Latvia's roads uh, for people who... Drive cars throughout the country as you and I do. And uh, one road which I drive on quite a bit is the Opvedselsch or the Ring Road around Riga, which is two sections. Uh, One section is just to the north of Riga, um, kind of uh, from the roads to Sigulda down to Salaspils. And then the second section is um, it, it goes across the Uh, Riga Hydroelectric Station dam and then goes all the way to Babite. Well that section now has the average speed camera which we've been talking about for quite some time and that is uh, I believe it's about five kilometers and that's the section uh, from uh, just right near the um, bridge over the road to Yelgova to um, the uh, road to uh, Yaunmarupe and uh, as we've talked about before the way that that works now, now that it is operational, is that they take a picture of your license plate when you go through this first speed camera, and then there's a second speed camera, and uh, it takes another picture, and then it calculates how long it took to get from point A to point B. And just like uh, you know a math problem that you probably had to solve in you know fifth or sixth grade or seventh grade, I can't really remember math class very well, but uh, you'd have to, uh, it calculates how long based on the time uh, that you went from one to the other, how fast you were driving to get from point A to point B. But that's not all, uh, because it is also uh, taking a look at whether or not you have a valid inspection sticker, and also whether or not you have um, a uh, active uh, required insurance for your car as well. So that is another thing to keep in mind as you are driving around. And if you, um, you know, have, uh, you know, maybe, you uh, forgotten or keep putting off uh, to uh, get your car inspected, that, that is uh, something that could have consequences as well. So, uh, from what I've heard, Otto, in other countries, this ha- these types of average speed cameras have had a positive impact in decreasing accidents, but uh, but what do you think now that this is finally active? Do you think that this is going to make a uh, improvement on that stretch of road, which can be a real pain to drive on?
1: Oh, I think it certainly will, um, because we still have uh, one of the highest uh, road traffic mortalities in Europe, and uh, we have seen uh, the examples, including our neighboring uh, country, Lithuania, where perhaps as a matter of coincidence, but perhaps not, many of the average speed cameras are on the roads along the border with Latvia, uh, where it uh, really makes difference and uh, the, the speed is slower especially when you would travel to the rest of Europe uh, using uh, Lithuania as uh, one of your uh, transit uh, countries. So hopefully that will help to improve the general uh, driving safety uh, culture, uh, which in many ways uh, would still require further development.
0: Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Actually, I, I never thought about the fact that uh, there's so many speed cameras near the border of Latvia. I wonder, wonder what they're trying to say with that. But uh, yeah, anyway. You, you
1: probably have tried those roads. You know, <laughs> if you go to Shaulai, uh, if you would go to Kaunas or Vilnius, uh, so, uh, I think almost uh, immediately uh, after you cross the border, uh, one of the reminders that you are in Lithuania are those average speed cams that you have to respect unless you want to get a fine from the Lithuanian authorities.
0: Yeah, which um, yeah, they they, they (laughs) it's not like they're very far away. They 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 can probably find you. So, anyway, uh, let's talk about some bad behavior because you know obviously speeding, uh, you know, not getting your car inspected. That is something which can have a dangerous impact on other people driving on the road, but uh, that's not the only way to behave bad on the road. The people who are building the roads uh, also have to follow uh, rules such as not creating a cartel to manipulate the amount of uh, payment that uh, governments have to pay to them. Uh, and there can be consequences, obviously, when those rules aren't followed, such as for the company tell you part of day. Their contract has been terminated with Riga City Council for taking part in the uh, road construction cartel that we talked about previously. And uh, they're sanctioning by the competition council. So that was reported about a week ago by Latvian Public Television so uh, obviously, auto. You know, I, I would say it's a positive thing to see uh, consequences for this kind of you know behavior by these uh, construction companies that we've been you know seeing for for many years and which there have been allegations of. But do you think that this is going to make an overall positive impact going forward on the implementation of these different projects? And you know, do you think that? You know, with with this and other measures that have been taking, uh, that have um, been implemented lately on different construction companies who have run afoul of these types of laws and other laws, do you think that we will see better behavior in the short to medium term by these types of companies?
1: I think there will certainly be a good development in the short term. Uh, In the long term, I think we would certainly need more competition because it is already a problem that we would have a road network. Uh, which has been uh, designed uh, for a larger amount of population that we do have. Um, At the same time, uh, all all the renovations cost a lot of money. Uh, It is the smaller amount of people who have to uh, cover that. And still with all that, uh, already the designed increased expense, you would have the cartel that would uh, further uh, increase the money we have to spend on this. So hopefully this will come to an end. And uh, in addition to these fines, uh, further uh, regulations that would allow for wider uh, competition would be a way out of uh, this uh, really a pothole of public uh, money that we do um, you know, throw uh, a lot of our funds in and not always uh, there is a corresponding result.
0: Well, speaking of bad behavior, Mr. Edgar the newly elected president, uh, had some words for the Uh, electricity distribution rates. And for the regulator of that, the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, or SPRK, which is the acronym uh, based on the uh, Latvian um, uh, title of the organization. And uh, he accused them of not uh, performing their duties the way that they should and uh, possibly being caught up in operating a monopoly and not keeping the interests of the public in mind and said that uh, they uh, could potentially need to be reviewed and that um, uh, action might need to be taken to uh, make sure that they uh, perform in a uh, more acceptable way. So, uh, you know, obviously, auto energy costs are something we've talked about a lot on this show over the last few years, and that is something that really has a major impact on people's everyday lives, being able to afford energy. Do you think that um, Mr. Rinkevich's criticisms are valid, and do you think that we could be seeing some change in the behavior of this regulatory body?
1: I think that uh, Mr. Rinkevich, uh voicing uh, the criticism uh, is connected to the opinion of many people in Latvia. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think that there is also truth in what the regulator responded that, according to the mandate they have under the law, they do not have a social function. It is not their task to uh, evaluate the impact of those uh, uh, regulated tariffs uh, on um, the lives and livelihoods of uh, people. Uh, it is their job to uh, check whether the calculations that have been used. Uh, to uh, argue for a particular uh, tariff um, are uh, correct according to the formulas and the principles that are included. Uh, There has also been a response from the Latvian Union of uh, 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 Trade and uh, Industry, or um, I believe probably it is better translated as the Latvian Chamber of um, uh, Industries uh, that has uh, mentioned that that the new way how these tariffs are calculated uh, is uh, more um, actually equal uh, and uh, would more equally cover all the clients you know, meaning that uh, not only um, individuals but also the uh, industries uh, and uh, the uh, producers um, who would uh, consume uh, more energy and perhaps uh, previously um, it was then the industry um, that had to uh, carry more of the burden because it was uh, not shouldered properly uh, by uh, individual consumers. So it could also be the question of uh, not whether uh, the regulator uh, acted correctly, uh, but uh, whether uh, there has been a correct long way planning, a long term planning, Uh, How to uh, get it right um, all the way, Uh, not only uh, to keep up the social function and then remember at one point that it is not sustainable uh, after all. Uh, So uh, it is, you know, uh, a rock in several gardens rather than just the regulator.
0: Well, we will uh, keep an eye to see if there are any. Uh, changes that come uh, of this, but uh, definitely, you know, I think Mr. Renkiewicz is also uh, wants to be seen as, uh, you know, taking a proactive stance on some of the things, you know, I, I agree with you, Otto, because that, that that is something that uh, people do care about and, um, you know, that uh, people feel strongly about. So we will see what happens. But uh, one last story involving bad behavior uh, has to do with uh, one person we've talked about in the show before in a number of contexts, that is uh, Mr. Pieter Uh, Avon, uh, somebody who uh, holds a Latvian passport but uh, is seen as uh, being very close to Vladimir Putin and... um a, uh, is uh, somebody who has been accused of being a, an oligarch who has very, very close ties with uh, Mr. Putin and the uh, Putin administration. Uh, he has been sanctioned by the U.S. Department of Treasury in a new round of sanctions that took place on the 11th of August. So, uh, Otto, do you think that this is going to have a, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't think that's uh, very, very good for him. But, um, you know, do you, do you think that this is uh, going to have a significant impact on um, his uh, ties with uh, Mr. Putin going forward?
1: Well, uh, it is um, interesting because uh, I believe that he is similar to uh, some other uh, well-connected uh, and rich people in uh, Russia have been uh, put Uh, between a rock and a hard place, um, trying to uh, keep up their status and money on uh, either side of the Russian uh, border. And, of course, this uh, proximity between uh, Mr. Avin and uh, Mr. Putin, uh, previously probably uh, a great part of his success, uh, is now uh, probably uh, his biggest problem, especially if we talk about his access uh, to um, personal uh, funds and assets. Uh, it is uh, possible that uh, his citizenship uh, could be uh, revoked, um, especially that I would believe he that would not be the only citizenship that he holds, uh, so that he would not be rendered stateless as a result of uh, an according act of the Latin authorities. Uh, at the same time, it would be interesting for me to see uh, the discussion on this, um, especially if the national alliance would remain in the coalition, um, because, as we remember, uh, not everyone um, in uh, f- some of the political circles uh, were as critical uh, regarding Mr. Avin and his associations uh, as uh, perhaps um, some Latvian services uh, or the um, uh, American uh, government or many uh, politicians in Latvia. Let's just remember uh, the scandal about uh, the exhibition of. Uh, uh, Porcelain uh, belonging to Mr. Avent uh, in uh, Uagre uh, Museum, uh, which was an initiative by the mayor of Uagre, uh, Mr. is a member of the National Alliance, uh, which was um, objected to by the uh, management of the museum that uh, ended up with the uh, resignation of the head of the museum and uh, a major uh, political scandal. So we'll see whether some of
0: the uh, preferences have changed since then definitely we will keep an eye on that and one other story that uh before we uh turn our Gaze away from uh, people and towards nature has to do with a hostel fire which took place a few years ago and had very tragic results. There was a number of people who died in this illegally operating hostel which ran afoul of uh, the occupancy laws and how many people could be there. There are two people who have been. Um, now charged with that tragic situation, um, one of them it is understood to be the business person, Ernest uh, Rieks, who uh, was operating the hostel. So it seems like, Otto, most likely uh, in the near future, we will be watching this case uh, move forward and there could be potential consequences for operating this hostel legally the way that it was. Um, but do you, do you think that uh, the situation has improved since this tragic situation took place a few years ago? well
1: uh, we have not heard of uh, similar uh, incidents Uh, so it is either uh, there have not been uh, similar situations repeating or perhaps there have not been uh, reported Uh, we'll see whether it becomes a problem as uh, the uh, tourists return to Riga in greater numbers especially as we have seen that uh, this summer Uh, so um, we'll have to I take the test of time to see whether any of those concerns have been taken seriously. Uh, if, with the increasing presence of tourists, uh, there will not be those situations uh, repeating, hopefully, uh, in the near future already.
0: Well, let's finish up the this very interesting and kind of exhausting domestic news section with a walk through Latvia's beautiful forests, which I'm sure that many of you who are listening to the show have enjoyed Latvia's beautiful forests. Uh, but one of the biggest problems in the forests is, as we've talked about for a number of months at this point, is the spreading of eight-toothed bark beetles, which are causing significant damages to Latvia's spruce tree population uh to the point where a number of areas have had to be in uh, clear cut and actually now auto in a lot of places you see these um uh, traps for the bark beetles actually there there's this one place right when you drive into yelgova um it's uh, kind of um it's technically in, in the limits of yelgova but it's right before the kind of um uh, lived in area there's this uh, clear this clear-cut area and um, there there's these weird kind of like hanging uh, they um, you know they, they almost look like the kind of uh, boxes that uh, you you get from uh, certain restaurants uh, uh, you know a, a, a black ones uh, hanging and you know I, I was wondering what those were but apparently those are spruce uh, bark beetle traps which are becoming more and more common throughout the country so uh, unfortunately that situation has not really um, Improved, it is still very, very. Uh, it is um, something that the Latvian state forests are very uh, nervous about, and um, something that could continue to have a, a big impact. So, um, but some good news, I guess, for Latvia's forests, and uh, something uh, you know which might sound a little bit uh, nerve-wracking for those of you who are out hiking, uh, but is that Latvia's bear population? Has become stable once again because I remember when I first moved to Latvia, uh, Latvia's bear population was basically mostly uh, bears who were living uh, for a certain amount of time in Latvia but then uh, going over the border to uh, mostly Russia. But apparently, uh, there are now permanent inhabitants, uh, bear inhabitants of Latvia's forests, which I guess seems to uh, be a positive situation. Um, Definitely. You know, something, you know, actually, Otto, I'm kind of curious uh, to to hear because, you know, when we're growing up in Maine, you know, black bears are the University of Maine's logo. So obviously, you know, we do have a pretty significant bear population in Maine. So we're taught about, you know, when we're in school, when we're, um, you know, different, you know, hiking classes or whatever, uh, what to do you know, in case you see a bear or what to do to protect yourself uh, against a bear, you know, to, uh, you know, bang against pots or to make sure not to leave your trash out when you're camping. Uh, was that something that you were talk- told about at all when you were growing up, um, you know, about what to do if you encounter a bear in the forest?
1: Um, I remember a, a few situations when it was mentioned um, uh, how to act or what to do, uh, but perhaps there was a you know, more of attention uh, to the uh, cultural um, artifacts of where the bears are important because, uh, similarly, as you mentioned, uh, the university um, at your home state, then uh, there would be uh, several uh, aspects of Latvian culture where uh, uh, bears uh, play a prominent role. Um, more generally, uh, an example would be the lullaby, such as mm. uh, giving an indication. Uh, that uh, bear has been something that the uh, uh, Latvians have been in contact for uh, for uh, quite a while, uh, understanding perhaps uh, this uh, way how the birds are living and uh, the association with the um, uh, winter's uh, sleep, uh, this extended uh, period of hibernation. Uh, but also if we would look at uh, the aspect of um, uh, the time of national romanticism, then of course it is the question of uh, Bearslayer. Uh, so, uh, the uh, key uh, national romanticism uh, period uh, character uh, which has been used uh, to describe uh, the, the epic uh, uh, genesis of uh, the uh, Latvian nation uh, and the story of Latvian history uh, as exemplified by the national. Uh, epic uh, and uh, street names such as the Large Pleasure Street uh, in Riga or uh, the depiction uh, of the bear slayer in uh, Yalgaver in the monument uh, that celebrates the liberation of Yalgaver from um, those peoples and armies that fought against Latin independence.
0: Well, bears are certainly not the thing that caused the most amount of worry or headache when it comes to Latvia's forest. I think at this point, Otto, that award would have to be given to Belarusian authorities, which now it is time to turn our attention to the international section. And as we've been talking about for quite some time now, uh, Belarusian authorities have been causing Latvia quite some headaches, uh, specifically on the border between Belarus and Russia, um, trying to create uh, a significant problem for Latvia, Lithuania, Poland and the EU in general by uh, facilitating the flow of uh, illegal migrants through the Latvian border. That is something that uh, Latvia has taken quite seriously. We talked about the building of a fence, but Otto, it seems uh, that additional border guards have been mobilized due uh, due to increased activity on the Latvian border. So as a security expert, can you Take us through um, the kind of change situation and, um, you know, w- w- uh, basically what the border guards um, have to deal with, uh, you know, with this uh, situation on the Belarusian border.
1: So this is an ongoing issue. Uh, we have had uh, problems with uh, illegal border crossings uh, with a variety of intensity uh, for a number of years, uh, but specifically it became a significant matter of national security. Not only for Latvia, but also for Lithuania and Poland uh, since uh, 2020, uh, the disputed uh, Belarusian presidential election uh, when uh, uh, the European Union countries, uh, many other uh, countries, uh, including um, Latvia, uh, did not recognize uh, the presidential election uh, that uh, yeah, allegedly. Uh, return Mr. Lukashenko to the position of the president of the Republic of Belarus, uh, and uh, in reaction to this, uh, Mr. Lukashenko uh, and his uh, associates who control of the Republic of Belarus uh, started to organize uh, this flow of uh, migrants uh, who were uh, motivated and made to cross uh, the border uh, with Latvia and with Lithuania and Poland. Uh, mostly in those uh, locations, or primarily in those locations where that would be uh, illegal to do so according to laws of uh, Latvia, Lithuania, and Poland. Uh, And, uh, of course, uh, this situation was um, uh, affected by uh, the different developments in the Middle East where many of these uh, migrants uh, came from. Uh, There was certainly an uh, economical aspect as the Belarusian uh, government um in charge uh, charged up to fifteen thousand dollars from each of uh, these migrants uh, to fly them uh, using the belarusian uh, airlines uh, which uh, has been uh, prevented from um, flying uh, in most of the world uh, and then uh, getting those people to the border and uh, pushing them to to cross and not allowing them to turn back uh, using force and also sometimes giving different instruments and also weapons uh, to people who have uh, attempted to migrate uh, to use um, either to uh, get rid of the uh, different uh, fortifications and uh, different uh, fences that would be uh, on the uh, border but also uh, to uh, perhaps use it against um, um, Latvian and other border guards uh, if there would be um, attempt to prevent them from uh, crossing the border. And of course, this was uh, intended uh, not only as a way for uh, the uh, foreign cash deprived Belarusian uh, government to make money, uh, but also as a way how to make uh, uh, it a problem between um, the countries bordering Belarus and the European Union um, by uh, leading a media campaign uh, to uh, portray Um, the Latvian, Lithuanian and Polish uh, governments as the ones to blame for this rather than the Belarusian government and uh, in the end uh, with the objective to weaken the EU sanction regime against uh, Minsk. And uh, most recently uh, the number of um, these migrants uh, crossing the border illegally has increased uh, several times and as a result uh, the National Border Guard has mobilized Um, uh, A number of border guards, including the ones who were on vacations or are not uh, at the moment in uh, service and also has requested uh, help from the National Armed Forces uh, of uh, Latvia. A similar issue is also on the Lithuanian and Polish borders and for that reason, at the end of August, uh, the representatives of the governments of uh, Latvia, Lithuania and Poland uh, we'll discuss uh, a possible uh, closure of a uh, border between uh, Belarus and the three uh, said states.
0: Now, if that border closing, which I guess you know is now being increasingly discussed, does actually take place, Otto, how what what exactly would that look like? So, would the border just be completely shut altogether? There would be, uh, you know, barricades; nobody would be allowed in or out, or would that just be? Some kind of uh, stricter measures in terms of uh, you know what uh, vehicles or people are allowed in or out. So how 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 exactly do you think that would potentially look?
1: Well, I think that it would look uh, in a way that uh, most uh, any traffic would be uh, stopped, and uh, perhaps the only exception I could imagine would be that uh, it would be either um, uh, diplomats or officials. Uh, authorized officials or uh, people who would be allowed to cross for humanitarian reasons. But other than that, uh, any commercial and civilian uh, traffic, um, such as on uh, cars and buses and um, uh, lorries, um, you know, cargo uh, trucks uh, um, uh, would be closed. And I would assume that would also uh, be uh, in the case of the uh, rail uh, traffic, the, the rail cargo traffic Uh, if any, uh, would be prevented from uh, crossing as well.
0: Wow, well, we will have to keep an eye on that situation as we do every week with this ongoing situation on the border with uh, Belarus. So anyway, Otto, I think that does it for most of the major stories that we need to talk about this week. So I think it's time for you to turn back the clock to August 11th, 1920 for this week in Latvian history.
1: That's right, and I wanted to remind our listeners of this date because it is a very important date in uh, Latvian history and the history of the Republic of Latvia, uh, because uh, this is the date uh, when uh, the Latvian War of Independence concluded uh, by uh, Latvia and uh, Soviet Russia signing a peace agreement. This would uh, describe uh, the principle that uh, Russia would renounce Uh, any claims um, it had had, uh, with regard to uh, the people and the land of Latvia, uh, for forever. Well, we know from our history um, uh, how truthful uh, was the obligation uh, taken by uh, the Russian government, uh, but uh, with or without regard to what uh, happened uh, later on in 1940, when um, the Soviets uh, Union uh, occupied Latvia. Uh, uh, this uh, treaty is still very important because, uh, from uh, the perspective of the Republic of uh, Latvia, uh, it is the uh, most important impor- uh, international uh, treaty that uh, regulates not only uh, the relationship uh, with uh, our neighbor Russia, uh, but also uh, was uh, this capstone. Uh, that uh, led way to the international recognition of Latvia, uh, provided that Russia has ceded any claims it had uh, against Latvia. Uh, and uh, we would still recognize that as uh, being in force as it is deposited with the United Nations. And uh, whether or not Russia, uh, as the Russian Federation, would recognize that would not have um, an impact on the uh, legal. Uh, validity of this uh, agreement. So uh, if you're interested uh, to know more about that part of our history, then certainly this document is uh, one of the uh, things you cannot overlook.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, historically, various Russian governments have had a tendency to not quite understand what international treaties mean, as we've seen over and over again, and are seeing very clearly right now with the uh, very unfortunate and um, frustrating situation in Ukraine. So, Otto, this weekend, for those of you who are in Latvia, specifically in Riga, you've got some pretty exciting stuff going on. So I guess already, I can't even believe that we're already at the end of August, but from the 19th of August, Otto, you guys have Riga City uh, Festival going on. So uh, are you going to be able to make it down this year?
1: Uh, I think so, and I think it will be a very enjoyable event um, to uh, celebrate the 822nd year uh, since uh, Riga was uh, established it is of course not a birthday celebration because I don't believe there is a record of when exactly the uh, city was founded which uh, day it was but at least uh, there is the assumption with regard to the year and I'm very glad that Probably the weather will be uh, rather fine uh, uh, in a, a few days' time when this celebration takes place. And I would invite uh, all of our listeners uh, to uh, come to the old town and uh, enjoy what uh, our capital city uh, has to offer to anyone who would like to uh, celebrate uh, the uh, Riga City Festival together.
0: Awesome. and. Uh, two weeks from now, I can just already uh, hint towards uh, we're going to be having a festival in Yelgova as well. I will be back for that. Uh, that is the traditional Milk and Honey festival, which uh, is always a fun one to check out. But we'll talk about that more next week. Otto is... I think that just about does it for this week. It was really great to be able to talk with you because, um, you know, my, my favorite thing about doing this show is just having an excuse to talk with you about Latvian politics and all the weird stuff that goes on every single week. And this was actually the first time I've been able to sit down and have a chance to actually talk with you about this whole situation with, um, uh, you know, Kristians Karns' resignation and uh, the, the potential new Riga city government. So uh, it was it was great being able to talk with you. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you to everybody who listened to the show, whether it was your first show, whether it was your 203rd show that you listened to. Thank you, as always, to Kian, who updates our Facebook page. For those of you who have Facebook and are not already following our Facebook page, I strongly suggest doing that because he updates it with Stories of the Day every single day because Otto and I are only able to record about once a week but there are stories there every single day which you can comment on and also uh, you know discuss and and find out a little bit more about what's going on in the day-to-day uh, life of, uh, of Latvia. So, Otto, any last uh, things you would like to mention before we wrap up and uh, Start, uh, I don't know, uh, pulling out our popcorn bags for the uh, very exciting uh, vote that's going to take place in uh, Riga City Council tomorrow. Well, for
1: those of our listeners who are in Latvia, uh, stay hydrated, uh, stay away from ticks, uh, uh, enjoy uh, the Latvian summer in a safe uh, way, uh, and uh, let me wish you all uh, visula lab.
0: Visula visiem.